This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This week on Busy Being Black, I'm in conversation with Black, fat, queer, and trans theorist and abolitionist Deshaun Harrison. Their new book, Belly of the Beast, The Politics of Anti-Fatness as Anti-Blackness, is an important addition in the fields of fat and black studies, which offers us all necessary knowledge and insights to help improve how we relate to one another and ourselves. In this bonus episode, Deshaun and I explore the erotic and how the many barriers society forces us to erect around ourselves preclude a deeper, necessary, and potentially world-ending intimacy. I think it's really important for us to also address the kind of erotic that I think undergirds anti-Blackness, right? I know that I've certainly felt that, and, and you write about that. You and I are trigger warning sexual violence. You and I are both survivors right. of, of sexual violence. We have that in common. Yeah. And, you know, the first book that I read that kind of made, that made <laughs> the erotic tension of my life make sense um, was Vincent Woodard's The Delectable Negro. Mm-hmm. And I felt that maybe for the first time ever that I had a, a solid reference point for the type of particular violence that I've experienced um, in the world and, and, and at the hands of white men in particular. Mm-hmm. And you know, what, what Woodard does in this book is kind of make very clear that the black man's body uh, to a large extent um, has always been this kind of illicit object of desire, which was up for grabbing, taking literal cannibalistic consumption. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and my own experience speaks to that, right? When I moved from Atlanta to London, I remember writing about this a few years ago, like writing that, you know, I was not ready for the ravages of white gay men. I, I had not encountered that type of um, violence before. Yeah. Um, And so I guess this is kind of a two-pronged route into a conversation about both our shared experience of of sexual violence and and how our bodies um, bear the weight of that, Mm -hmm. but also hopefully to kind of bring us back to each other in a more intimate and erotic sense as well. Yes. That there's, we've been robbed of something together in the erotic. Yes. Um, One, (laughs) I just, I love this and, and 
the erotic sex all of like you know ecstasy all of that is just very important for me and I'm 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 continuing to build a sort of like analysis and, and scholarship on on this itself because I know that there's a lot out there but for me I've come I've come to it through my reckoning with my own history with sexual abuse so I love that that's sort of like how you're inviting us into this conversation um and so yeah I think that one I I cannot fathom what it what it must have been like for you to the culture shock to go from Atlanta to the UK um because you <laughs> you know most times while I'm here I don't I don't see white people unless I want to right like and that's right like I haven't <laughs> that's the beauty of Atlanta seen, yeah <laughs> right like I haven't seen a white person in a very long time um like a very long time so to go from that to you know being surrounded by by white folks is I already know like already a big form of violence um and so just sending love and, and, and appreciating you for inviting us into that part of your story. Um, and for me, yeah, I think that I, when I first started to have sex um, with other queer folks, um, I fell into this very hypersexualized experience where it was the first time you know, my body was being engaged as someone who was actually consenting to the touch, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, that was explosive. Mm -hmm. It was like, for one, I was thinking like, what does this mean for me as this, this fat, dark-skinned queer person to be experiencing this level of touch and, 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 and intimacy? Um, but then later in life, I was like, most of that actually wasn't nice, good, effective, consensual touch, right? Like it was, it felt like it was because it wasn't as, as closely related to the sexual violence I'd experienced before. And I was happy to just be experiencing touch in this way, this level of intimacy. But what I arrived to was that what I was experiencing was men who all of whom were, were Black, who had a very specific desire to interact with, engage with my body in a way that made clear that it was only an object, right? That it was never something that was to be, to be cherished or appreciated or, or, or handled gently, right? It was, it was supposed to be objectified. It was supposed to fall subject to their grasp. And as I grew more comfortable with my own sexuality, I was led to finding the sort of like love and excitement and joy in presenting myself, right? As, as this erotic sexual mm. being that had control of my body, that controlled how I presented it, that, that controlled who has access to it, but also that that relishes in in knowing that other people get to see it and get to enjoy it and and get to hold it, even if only with their eyes, right? Um, there's something to me that's very powerful about that. And 
that's especially true while existing in this fat, dark skin body where I'm like, you know, to me, I, I just love that, like, there is something powerful about that for me. There's something that, that, that feels good about that for me. So as I developed that relationship to my body, I started taking more and more nudes, right. And, and like posting more online and sharing more of myself and my body. And it was interesting because I took less nudes when I was a smaller fat than I do now as a, a much larger person. And I didn't share myself in, in that smaller body. I was never a, a thin person, but was a smaller fat person than I am now. And now I am like happy to like show my body to whoever wants to see it and, and whoever <laughs> I want to see, um, because there's just something powerful about it. I, I was able to build this sort of connection with myself and with my body that allowed me to feel like I was in control. Um, and so like, yeah, there's just like mm. this, this sort of eroticism that I was invited into after being violated because it allowed, it gave me a sense of, of safety and control for myself and gave me this sort of ability to create the images that I, that I desired, right. To create the images that I desired to see. Yeah. There's something about the, the auto eroticism. Yeah. Right. Like, absolutely. I feel like that's what you're describing. Right. And I say that to just, let me just be very honest. Yeah. I very, I very seldom see myself naked in the mirror and give myself praise it's always a there's always some sort of critique I make of myself mm. but the other day I turned myself on and I was like oh what happened here you know like what's the difference here mm -hmm. I was, I was really sparked by that um and that autoeroticism is powerful in that I felt yeah. powerful that day there was something about myself that I found desirable or erotic yeah. to be specific. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that, that power that comes from an autoeroticism. How do you think you nurture an autoeroticism? You know, I think that a lot of people would offer, oh, it's just, um, you know, about self-love, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, touch and yourself softly. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> it's not giving that for me. But yeah. um, for me, I think that what sort of how I sort of nurture that is a lot of days when I wake up, look in the mirror, I also am offering critiques of myself. Mm. Um, and I think that a lot of times it's in those moments where I feel like I'm most critical of myself that I invite myself into creating those moments of sexiness where I'm like, be, it's probably best now that because you feel so critical of yourself that you, don't allow yourself to sit in that and instead create a space that makes you feel like your sexiest self and document it. Yeah. Whereas and, I like smash the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and I think that, and I, I, mean, I think that that's something that's very like integral to a fat politic, which is why I think that there is something, which is why I'm always telling folks that, you know, developing a fat politic is yes about fat people, but it benefits all of us because if we can right. create a better relationship with our own bodies you know even folks who are not fat there is there is something liberatory about that right there is something special about being able to say 
I feel critical in this moment about my body. And because I feel critical about it, instead of sitting in that, right, how can I create a different experience with this body, right? How can I appreciate this body for what it has done, how it's brought me through, how it's protected me, how it's cared for me, how I show up for it, how it shows up for me, even when I don't show up for it, right? And love on it instead of offering these critiques. And I think that that's something that really only happens for people who are in bodies that are always being criticized and are not necessarily receiving that sort of outwardly praise and and attention and desire right if that makes sense totally makes sense you i mean you write in the book at at some point i don't don't remember that verbatim um but that you had really only understood yourself as desirable as a sexual object for use by other people yeah and when i tell you i threw the book I was so triggered, right? Like I was like, oh, you don't have to read me like that. You're like, and it's true, right? That yeah. this desirability politics, that this fat politics, that this, this understanding that we are mm-hmm. all impacted in various ways with different registers of violence, with different accesses to the erotic, um, understanding that is, is paramount to not only me feeling sexy in my own skin, you feeling sexy in yours and us feeling sexy together. Me thinking that I'm only desirable or only valuable or only worthy of not being discarded, left, abandoned, rejected as if I have a, some sort of sexual serviceability is right. the great tension of my life for the past 20 mm. years, right? That my need to be perfect and to present to the world in a certain way largely hinges upon whether or not someone else will want to have sex with me right regardless of whether i have any pleasure in that experience will someone else find me desirable will someone else want to fuck my brains out and that kind of imprisonment you know in this and i say that you know not lightly but to say that that somehow my my own erotic life is beyond my reach right it's determined by someone else and i think that that is so profound because um, I, I experienced very familiar or, or very similar rather, um, thoughts and feelings, right? It's like, if I present this, this part of myself to the world, right, will I feel satisfied in doing so if someone doesn't tell me how much I turned them on? If someone doesn't tell me how much they want to fuck me or how much they want me to fuck them or whatever, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's why it's why it's shared. Exactly. (laughs) And so I got to this place where I'm like, you know, I have I don't know if I'll put myself out here or not, but I have over 600 nudes in my phone of myself. I I have (laughs) that, not intentionally, but (laughs) 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 like um in my hidden folder. And of course there has not been 600 different pictures and videos shared online of me um, or with anyone else offline. But I created those moments for myself because I feel like my sexiest self in those moments. Mm. And I, and I invite myself to feeling that, seeing that, loving that, even if no one else ever experiences that right but <laughs> that made me nervous even if no one else experiences that <laughs> yeah. i know it's it, it does yeah, it's nerve-wracking it it's like but but there's also something very i'm a very communal person a very intimate person and i want to experience mm. 
sex and intimacy with others, with other people, with other, you know, folks that I also desire. And so it's like, for me, there's something necessary about getting that sort of response from people, right? Like, yeah, I don't want to be robbed of, of this moment of intimacy, of this moment of, of sex, this, this moment of fulfillment. I want to experience you telling me how sexy you think I am, right? You telling me how much you want to fuck me or how much you want me to fuck you or whatever, right? Like that's mm-hmm. something that is enjoyable, that I want, that I desire, that that I, I crave in a way. Um, and trying to find a balance between that craving for myself versus having that craving for the sake of someone else's benefit or, or having access to my own eroticism for that someone else holds over me, right? Yeah. Has been a very like interesting journey, but I, I think I'm, I've sort of arrived to a place where I at least feel comfortable enough naming that because I don't want to ever get away from this craving that I have to want to share that sort of intimate, sexual, erotic space with others absolutely and i want that to be something that i desire for myself and not something that can only be accessed through other people well that's what it is right it's the not being able to access our own eroticism our own erotic auto eroticism if you will means that we end up in the situations where our erotic life, our sensuality, our desire, our satisfaction is not primary, right? It's right. not even a consideration. And I think what you're talking about is this emboldening of ourselves alone and other people's desire of us being additive, right? Like right. being a wonderful addition, right? But not being the only essential, yes. integral form of understanding eroticism or desire. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. I think that, you know, um, there is something for, for, for folks who experience um, sexual attraction, there is something I think that's important about that sort of communal, mm. interpersonal experience. Um, and communal, I'm saying that, you know, to mean not just, you know, a whole bunch of people, but it could just be you and someone else. That's but right. like, an experience outside of just yourself. Um, I think that's important. And it's also like, like you are just naming, it's also important that, you know, that the foundation of that is just for you, right? Like Mm. there are, there are places I post online um, that show off my body and, and my, my news and my sexual desires and whatnot um, that started off like the the foundation of them is just because I feel sexy. I want to share this part of myself, but I continue to post in those places because I want other people to feel like I'm sexy and I want other people to Mm. express to me that they feel like I'm sexy. Right. Um, And I invite people into these spaces because I feel like that's what gets me up. Right. That's what makes me feel um, particularly desired, Mm. wanted, um, and and not have to be in a space with people where I am just giving them what they want just because I want to feel that level of touch, even if it's not consensual. 
Right. Well, and that that invitation, like the word invitation here, feels especially important. Exactly. Right? And it's coming from a place of self. I don't want to say self love because um, I don't necessarily believe that autoeroticism mm-hmm. is a, and I don't believe they're like same necessarily connected. Yeah. But even if they're both important. Yeah. But I do think that invitation for you to enjoy me is very powerful. Right? Yeah. Like I'm letting you. I'm letting you in to enjoy this. And I think yes. that's sexy. That's very, that's, that's part of the eroticism as well. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of Essex Hemphill's poem. Uh, yes. Remember, I, right. You know what I'm talking about? I, I can't remember the name of it, but he is writing about this experience that we have as blackened people to quote Zakia Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in particular to my experience of Essex as, as a black gay man in the world, that yes, objectification is something that we experience and it's not always nice, but also I can choose to be the object on the pedestal. I can invite the touch. I can invite the gaze. I can invite the discarding, the using right. the discarding. I have the agency to decide whether I, how I want to be touched, when, and when I just want to be looked at. And I was like, right? Like that's yeah. such an amazing, powerful, agential agential like way of like thinking about or as black people like reclaiming our bodies from the kind of cannibalistic carnivorous yeah whiteness of life i think that as black end people it's it's not always possible right to in fact i'm gonna say that it's impossible to escape the gays, right? It's it's impossible to J Y S N G A Z E, yeah, right, all, all the things. <laughs> it's absolutely impossible to escape this white gaze, um, and and to escape the white gaze, and um, um, and like the 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 hold that that whiteness has on desire, beauty, eroticism, etc. Um, and even as that is impossible to escape there is a possibility to create these small hubs right that that are specific to us that are specifically for us um and i think that in in my little small hubs um what i'm trying to do is create a space where i'm not just reifying the very same standards that whiteness understands to be beauty right yeah. I'm, I am trying to, you know, invite other people into understanding sexiness and, and beauty, lowercase b, and, and, and all of that, you know, outside of this generalized, um, like, hegemonized um, understanding of, of, of sexiness, right? And so... Yeah, so are you saying that you're also not trying to challenge it? Like, the invitation is not to either reify nor break down, right? You're not saying, come in here and see a challenge to hegemonic beauty norms. You're right. just... It's an invitation to experience you as you are. As I am, right? And 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 that is, you know, I, I'm going to dig up myself here. I... I take some pretty good nudes and I think that I look, <laughs> I look really sexy. I can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that there is something that is like, you know, like particularly inviting about 
the 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 nudes and and the sort of erotic images that I share of myself online, and for me, it is um, that's never going to be posted as like a here is your example of of what this could be like outside of this um, hegemonic understanding. It's like I don't give a fuck about that. I'm posting this because I feel like it's sexy, and my hope is that you will also see this and be like, this is sexy, and maybe mm-hmm. it is different. Maybe it is, you know, not like part of this hegemonic understanding, but. I think this is sexy. So maybe I have to sort of restructure what I understand my desires to be. Um, And the limitations of that, of your, of the expression of your desire and eroticism, right? Because that's part of the challenge. Exactly. (laughs) If I post a picture of myself in this space, people think this, not only good, but also sometimes bad too. You know, I posted a video of me, like a real, of me on a nude beach in Lisbon to like uh, Chloe's um, Mercy. Mm-hmm. And I heard through the grapevine that someone was like, doesn't he work in like human rights or something? And I was like, what the fuck is that? Like I was having a moment where I was like really feeling myself and I shared it and it was like, yeah. well, there it is. That policing immediately yeah. comes up. Aren't you supposed to be over here in this box? Aren't you supposed to be doing this? And I that really, it really bothered me. Yeah, as it should, because well, first of all, what did that even mean? Like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> like, babe, is that like, is sexual liberation not part of that? I'm a little confused. Um, Hello, thank you. So, yeah, but I mean, like, also, like, one thing about me, I live, live for people who embrace their sexuality, even, and especially maybe people who are in particular occupations that you just would not imagine that's the case, right? Like, yeah, that that's sexy and it gets me up um but i just i just love people who embrace their sexuality who embrace who you know who they are and and embrace loving on and 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 presenting their bodies as sexy right presenting their bodies as as erotic who when that's what they desire to do um and and i think that there's something powerful about doing so especially when you exist in a marginalized body um and that's why I feel so powerful in, 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 in sharing these parts of myself for me, because I'm like, you know, this is important to me and whoever finds it and enjoys it, finds it and enjoys it. But for me, it's very important to see myself in this particular way. And the fact that, you know, somebody was like, don't you work in human rights? Like mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense to me at all. I just, we, we probably don't have time to talk about it today, but you just made me think of sex as a form of care, mm. right? That one of the ideas I love about this kind of communal abolitionist future together, and actually maybe going back to someone like Mario Mielli, who I've spoken about on the podcast at Absurdum, but you know, Mielli's theorizing that what heteronormativity, he didn't call it that, but what heteronormativity ultimately does is robs us of a sexual liberation, freeness, infidelity mm. um, that can be transformative, that can be healing, that is that 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 pleasure um, is part of the animus of a good fulfilled communal life, right? Yeah. And so I think that's what you're making me think of here that we might begin 
from a place of the self of the autoerotic of this kind of self-appreciation of us understanding the power of what we have to give to the world that might then result in or at least contribute to a larger form of care um, among us all that's rooted in each other's pleasure and safety and appreciation yes, yes. there's something so important about that and yeah mm. i think cis heteronormativity as well as like anti-fatness definitely plays a role in um this you know anti-blackness and all the things plays a role in sort of taking away that as a possibility um or or something that rather that that sort of disrupts the the willingness for for that to happen but what i love about you know when we first entered into this conversation you and i you like talked about in, inviting inviting it back to us um and i think that there is something like particularly just important about what you've named around these walls these barriers that are created in those instances but that there is something i think that is very important about creating these communal spaces that are intimate that do provide you with a sense of safety and care and and that shower you in the 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 love and and you know erotic touch and and, and intimacy that that you desire um but that also holds you as someone who is more than just that so something that i'm i'm very particular about with myself is like unless they state otherwise like you know there are some people who just want to be engaged sexually and don't want to talk to you outside of that and that's their prerogative but otherwise for me you know when i engage people i want to know how they're doing right i want to know what they're Sorry, i'm laughing about. because it's like so <laughs> it's like so opposite to my mo but yeah no that no it's real it like me laugh yeah i'm like i want to know how they're doing want to know like mm. you know what they're thinking about you know like wanting i want to engage them as a full person because yes i think you're sexy yes i want to fuck you yes i want to do very nice things with you and also i want you to know that i value outside of the sexual things you're willing and able to provide, yeah, right? Who are you outside these four walls? Who are you woods, exactly? Or, who, are, yeah. who are you outside of these experiences that we have? And if you don't want to, you know, engage that, that's also okay. Um, but I know that for me, I'm often, if someone is sexualizing me, it is through a, a very fetishist lens, which means they're only engaging me because I'm fat and therefore only care right. about me as as a sexual object and not about the full breadth of who I am um and so I like to be invited into spaces that feel communal in a very particular way in that they allow for for me to provide and receive care around the fullness of who I am even if I show up and say today I don't really want to talk about anything else let me just suck your dick right mm -hmm. or today I don't want to talk about anything else just let me eat your ass right like that like that still allows me to be, you know, in control of how I want to be engaged, but that gives room for me to be engaged outside of just the, the chubby person that they're wanting to have sex with, right? Or yeah, like um, you're practicing a, a, a care and a consideration right, and exactly. interest. Exactly. That varies, of course, right? We have, we have, uh, we can release the lever as much as we want. Exactly. I like that a lot that we might. Because there are also people who only engage me as an intellectual, right? I'm never, I'm never anything sexual else. Sexual so. object. Right. Or sexual right. being, rather. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, 
there's this ba- this perfect balance that I'm always looking for in, in people who are like, you know, yes, I, I want to engage you sexually and I want to engage you as, you know, a full person who is intellectual, who is funny, who is, you know, kind and who does give advice or whatever, but I'm not just here to provide you with this labor, right? I'm also here for my own fun and my own needs that should also be considered. You know what I love about this is so much of the interrogation that those of us committed to understanding and living more fully are doing can often feel devoid of moments like this, you know, Mm. whereas, and I don't know if this is kind of a replication of like a larger thing, but that we might that the pursuit of knowledge is not necessarily a pursuit of pleasure or mm. that the pursuit of knowledge is just the pursuit of knowing more. And I think what you and I are demonstrating here is that with a foundation of understanding of the interactions of anti-fatness is anti-blackness of fat phobia, of Islamophobia, of queer phobia, of femphobia, of transphobia, that with this understanding, we then stand upon and begin to explore together something beyond that to, to link to the, the, the final chapter of yeah. Belly of the Beast. Yeah. Something beyond. Yeah, something beyond, something that, that just invites us into a deeper relationship with ourselves and with other people. I love talking about eroticism. I love talking about sex. I love talking about, you know, I, to me, like sex and eroticism and, and new taking, all of that is it's art, it's creative, it's beautiful, it's sexy, it's intimate. Um, and it's like, yes, it turns me on. It, it makes me horny. It's all the things. But also, it, for me, it feels like it invites me into a deeper understanding of someone else, right? Like, I get to experience more of, more of who you are, more of what you allow me to see, more of what you allow me to feel. Um, and that, to me, right, as long as that's like an agreed upon thing, it's also a part of like building deeper communal ties, right? It, I, I feel closer and therefore want to be more involved and more engaging. Um, and I just think that that's just sexy. I think that what you're pointing to or what I'm hearing is that we're so used to holding each other in the trauma. Let's hold each other in the pleasure and the joy and the erotic too. Right. And maybe there, and, and perhaps there is no separating those, those two things, right? Maybe the pleasure is also, you know, you know, deprived from, or not deprived from, but, but derives from that trauma too, right? Okay. But yeah. we're allowed to, we're allowed to still sit in that pleasure together. Yes. Um, and we're, and we're allowed to, to continue to build upon that, that feeling of pleasure, right? We're allowed to explore more, more deeply how we're feeling pleasure, how we're inviting ourselves into pleasure, how we're inviting each other into pleasure. Um, and, and, and that there's, there's something good about that. There's something inviting about that. There's something fulfilling about that. It's, it's a very beautiful process to me and I love it. <laughs> Deshaun Harrison is based in Atlanta and is the author of Belly of the Beast, the politics of anti-fatness as anti-blackness. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.